How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. It's just so good, isn't it? I'm telling you. I just, I, yeah. I, I let that one hang for a little longer this time, too. You really did. So we have a pretty cool guest. Very super, super excited for this one. Super excited. Yeah, almost like you were excited for Zoom. I'm excited for this one. You, you don't really. think that I'm as excited for this guest as I would be for Zoom? No. No, right. well, I think you're excited, but you were, you were, you were outworldly. Yeah, sorry. you were out of your skin. You it, were zooma, zooming, zooming. Uh, you know, it was like <laughs> going back four decades or so. It's kind of bizarre. But you know, tonight, no, I'm really, I really am excited. I, I think that this is a great segue for our guest tonight. Good God, I've been waiting for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know how hard it is for me to And say. I promise, I I've promised him. Good Christ. For, so I told him, I, okay, good. I said, so we're not even going to let him go. Okay, good. Ooh, he's God. Gonna, he's God. Gonna pause, He's back on pause again. Okay, good. I've, should I've we tell everybody who this person is? I think we should probably is. introduce this, this guy. This growl that you This is Dave Will. Dave Will. Dave Will. Dave Will is a local... South Shore entrepreneur. Yes, he is. There's not mm. a lot of real entrepreneurs down here. Dave Will is a real entrepreneur. Yeah. What, yeah. Now, what makes Hold on. We're going to get to you. All right? We'll get to you. You just, <laughs> this, sit, this, there. This, you just this, sit there while we, uh, part while of we what tell makes, everybody how great you are. Right. Part okay? of what makes a real entrepreneur <laughs> is that they just have to be in the room. I love it. They're I in the room. It. He's in the room. Put your, so put Dave put owned a company, yeah. uh, did really well, sold the company, and with the experience that he had with that company, he started yet another company. And this is where the entrepreneurial really just is exploding for Dave. Hmm. He's got a company called Prop Fuel. Prop and Fuel. Similar to Cy Sperling, although I don't own the company, I am a member, okay? There's more more commonalities between me and Cy in that respect, but I am a client of Prop Fuel. Well, and what? We're going to talk about that. Okay, good. Um, but Dave is Hair also... It's, it's hair growth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's well, a hair growth. That's why okay. yeah. I'm not going to say it. Okay. Yeah, you right. can. I mean, that's, that's why, why I'm why, on radio. That's why Mark right. is on radio. That's why I'm on radio. And such a great customer. Exactly. Um, but Dave is also part of an organization called Entrepreneurs Organization. And he is the host of their podcast, which mm. is really impressive. So don't be too intimidated, Dr. Joe that we're interviewing a guy who interviews really famous people. Oh. So any listeners out there, check <laughs> it out. E-O-V-L. You, you know, they're find... calling it EO360 now. They are? Did they so change it? I, I don't know what you search for. I think if you search for Entrepreneur's Organization, yep. you'll find it. Okay. So Dave's got a bunch of episodes on there with some really, yeah. really good content. So listeners, do yourself a favor. Google it up. Check it out. Listen. Download. You know, it, it's good for the right people. Like uh, Hal Elrod, the Miracle Morning guy. Yeah, that seems to be one of the most popular he's shows. He's really, really cool. Awesome story. Yeah. The guy died for like six yeah. minutes, and then wow. he 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 was revived. And once he recovered, he came up with this phenomenal Miracle Morning. Wrote a whole book about it, and he's got a ton of followers. So that's the kind of people I like in your interview. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. So, what did you want to tell us, Dave? I, gosh, there's so much. <laughs> yeah. It's just so hard to sit across the table with these dials and these giant mega megaphones and microphones in front of me. You guys sound so good on the radio. Like, you sound so good. Do we sound so good, good in the studio? And here I am, and, and I come in with my entrepreneur voice, which is just like, you guys have radio voices. They sound good because they don't touch the buttons. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks, Pat. This Thanks. is like, like a voice the guy from touching. God every now and then. It is, right? It's a new thing. I like it. I kind of like Wait, it. Wait, so is there a difference so, between a radio voice and a podcast voice then? Yeah, I think the good podcasters have a radio voice. Ferris. But there's a lot more. Yeah, well, I don't think Tim Ferriss has a um, a radio voice. Tim Ferriss is a really good podcaster. Yeah. But I think he's a podcaster. You know, podcasters are a little more, I don't know, the kind of guy you run into at the bar. You know, the guy you, you you see at the store, that's the podcaster. You guys have these real radio voices. It's awesome. It's wow. fun to be here, but it's a little intimidating. Too. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially with the stunning good looks. So is, an attorney? so is this what so. makes an entrepreneur great? Esquire? Is being able to, like, schmooze with even, even you know, the, the host of the Dr. Joe show. <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us, Dave. Really, because I... I, you know, well, let's let, let's ask what okay. is the definition of an entrepreneur? Because that's something. I mean, it's not a new word, but it's kind of a new phenomenon. With, yeah, with, it, it's becoming more popular, isn't it? Like in yeah. school, I think they're starting to talk about Finally. it almost like it's a profession. Hobby. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a club still. Yeah. Like entrepreneurship is something you do extracurricularly, but they're Off still hours. training you for jobs. For me, it's funny, and I don't know if anybody at home is listening to this, but I'm training my kids in a way so that, like, and this is sincere in the way that I can't imagine how anybody could be happy unless you're an entrepreneur. Hmm. And, and, um, and it's a pretty uh, self selfish perspective, I think. Just because I found myself at thirty when I was fired and became an entrepreneur. So that, that's when I found that. myself. Hmm. So let's talk about that. So at thirty, is that when you were awoken by the entrepreneurial spirit? Is that? Um, yeah, I was abruptly awoken. So you yeah, were was, you were the working was, for the man, corporate America. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I uh, went to college and uh, got a job. Yeah. So it, it actually starts earlier when okay. uh, when you my, were foreign. It started then. <laughs> it started. It started quite a bit before then, actually. But um, for me personally, it started. Uh, my father raised me in a way so that um, uh, you focus on the family. Yeah. And a person who focuses on the family basically gets a job to support the family. And um, I went to college to get a management-type position at a good company. And, and my goal was to make six figures one day. That was like, that's as big as I thought, Joe. It was like, what, what's the biggest thing you can think of? You know what? Six figures. Mm. That was the talk in it's the 80s. Like, that was going big time. Yeah. I never thought about what happens after that. Like, what happens if you actually achieve that crazy goal of six figures, right? And um, so I, I went to college, hardly, by the way, and um, I struggled and I got out and I got a, a job working with Kraft General Foods and Nielsen. Then I went to business school because that's what you do right. as the next step. You yep. go to business school. I got my MBA at Penn State. I came out and I got like a real job. Now I'm working for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Pretty mm -hmm. cool job. And in none of these jobs was I excelling. 
You know, I was doing okay. I was doing fine. But um, the whole time I was like this chameleon, just um, doing what I was supposed to do, doing, saying the things I was supposed to say. And nobody really performs when you're not feeling it. You right. know, you ever, you ever try to do something really well that you just don't really want to do? Can't. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. And so th- that's where I was for a long time. And then I got another job at a, at a more local consultancy. And then I got fired. Hmm. Yeah. So I got fired. I remember I was in Boston. I walked out to the pier um, right by Rose Wharf, uh, right by the ferries. I took the ferry home. And I remember calling my wife, Nicole, from that pier. I remember picking up the phone. It was 2001. Mm. Probably cost like a dollar a minute at that yep. point to, yeah. to make a phone call. It was probably my palm trio. But I, I remember calling Nicole, and she was at home in our new home. In uh, in a somewhat affluent part of of the South Shore, and uh, we were stretched thin to to buy that house, just a modest house. And uh, she picked up the phone, and I heard Zach in her arms, our our little baby, mm-hmm. and she's taking care of Zach. And I had to tell her I was coming home, that I'd lost my job, and I think I got about two words out before I broke into tears. Uh-huh. And um, so I got home. And she, you know, she took care of me. She embraced me. I went out and I, I hedged some, some, uh, some brush, which is what you do when you right. get fired and you go home. And, right. And so I took out the weed whacker and I, not the weed whacker, the hedge trimmer. Yes. And I'm trimming the head yeah. with a what? They call them gassers. The, no, but it was electric. The hedge, so, okay. the so hedge trimmer. The right. hedge trimmer. So I, I got the hedge trimmer and I'm trimming away. And I'm just in a, zo- a zone. Like I'm like a zombie just yeah. kind of doing this thing, staring at the space. And I slice my finger. I'm going to show oh. you right now. You can see right there. There's a scar. For those so of I you sli- on the radio, you'd have to look at the oh, it's live gruesome. stream. It it's is not huge. that big. But well, it's huge. <laughs> can I recommend <laughs> medical treatment for that? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I'm Thanks, glad ben. you brought that up back there because so what? What That's we did. Bad. My wife uh, said, you know, we really should go to the hospital. Translation: What actually happened is like, baby, we got to go to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she takes me to the hospital. I'm holding on to this thing, and we're new to the area, Joe. So where would you go to the hospital around here? Well, probably down to Jordan Hospital at that point or South Shore. Or... That's a really good idea. What but I did, what did you do? is we got in a car and we went to Pembroke Hospital. Oh, no. So we pull in. <laughs> good and timing. They, so and did we... they admit you, thinking that you'd cut yourself <laughs> well, on purpose? Well, so we pull up. It says emergency, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking that's for me. Oh, no. So we pull up and I run and I'm about to tell him, oh, my God, <laughs> I just lost my job and I'm streaming my edge and I cut my finger. You can see the great. bones, see? And, and I pull up and she says, wow, that's horrible. You should go to a hospital. Right. I'm like, where am I? She says, you're, you're at a psychiatric That's hospital. Right. So we ended well, up I going stay to Jordan. There right. Well, yeah. well, uh, look, you're lucky you weren't admitted on right. the spot. Well, I'm not really right depressed. Away. I've lost my job and I cut exactly. myself. You're going to be hospitalized. So, so this was in the, at the pier, right? The, 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 not the cut, but the beginning of this was at the pier. It started at the pier it started for me. The pier. Yeah. Well, no, that's so, mid-story. It started so, in actually HR. I, <laughs> was, yeah. Hey, Dave, can we talk to you in we here for told, a minute? But tell me, tell us all day. About prop fuel. Mark, do you know what crowdsourced revenue growth is? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What is crowdsourced revenue growth? Is that how you didn't grow it that way? Did you? No, this is about two hours old. old. What what are you talking about? What what did I grow? 
your company. Your company was yeah. No. So this is Kickstarter. I think my daughter Sophie. No, no, no. So crowdsourcing is like Kickstarter, but crowdsourced revenue growth is a different thing. You can do crowdsourced revenue growth. Jeremy, our friend online, can do crowdsourced revenue growth. It's this thing you do. Let me tell you a story. We're never going to get to Prop Fuel. Entrepreneurs, this is Prop Fuel. Entrepreneurs grow a business by selling something and they do a great job that's what makes them entrepreneurs we're passionate about something so go out and sell it and then we get a bunch of customers and we hire a bunch of employees and then we get too inundated to actually grow the business so growth in the business tends to stagnate around for a lot of people around two million five million somewhere around there it just kind of levels off and we think hiring more salespeople is going to help and sometimes it does but what if you actually got your entire team thinking about growing revenue Got so it. if you can get your entire team, Mark, you know where I'm going yeah. now. So by getting your entire team focused on growing revenue along with your customers, what you're doing is you're asking targeted questions on a weekly basis. And you're getting all this feedback mm-hmm. from your employees and your customers. And if you focus those questions on revenue growth, if you focus those questions on on what can we do to service you better, what do you enjoy? So we're building three things. We're building teams. We're building your business processes and efficiencies, and then we're building your customer growth. So that's what PropFuel does. PropFuel is a feedback platform, asks your employees weekly questions in a discussion format, and then also asks your customers questions on a more infrequent but a regular routine basis. So, so give, give me an example of, of, a, of a weekly question. Uh, there's so many good ones. So you have, um, th- I put it in three ca- categories. You have team building kind of questions. Right. Without a good team, you're not going to be able to service the customer. Then you have efficiency and process type questions. And without good efficiency and processes, then you're not making a profit. And then you have revenue building questions, which is all about the customer and servicing the customer better. One question that I would say falls, uh, and you can put this in any one of those categories, I think, is a question of uh, if you were to um, change or if you were to do one thing in the business to make this the best year in the history of the company, what would you do? So what I love about that is it takes somebody out of the bubble that they're living in and it, 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 they're starting to think strategically about the business. So imagine somebody sitting there staring at their computer, looking at their emails, they're thinking about what they have to do that day. But you need people to take a look around every now and then and look. Imagine, you know, do you swim, Joe? Yeah. Okay. So when you're swimming, your head's down, you're looking straight down. Mm-hmm. Every now and then you got to bring it up, right? Yeah. You got to look around. And that's what this is. Strategic questions like that are 60 seconds a week for people to bring their head up and look around. So I that's one much. question. Another question could be, um, here's a good customer question. Question for your customer might be, um, uh, what's one service or product that you wish we offered? And what I like about that is oftentimes their answer, you probably already offer it or do it, hmm. and they just don't know it. So there's a revenue opportunity right there. So those are a couple questions. I mean, then there's the obvious questions like the uh, um, net promoter score type questions. Would you refer us to a friend, or, or how do you like in your job, or what snacks do you want in the kitchen? You know, something yeah. as silly and operational as that. So Small that, changes have big effects, yeah. right? And it's it's, you just it's think that? the impact is unbelievable. So right. we've we've become customers of Prop Fuel at Styles Law, and we're having a lot of fun with it. I got to tell you, I mean, it it is it is a culture building platform. Oh, and, and there's props, and, right? That's hence and that's the, what I was going to say. I don't so even then, talk about that much. So then we we're going to talk about that, right? So there's the two questions from the from the user standpoint, as opposed to the entrepreneur brilliant mind standpoint. You get two questions every Tuesday morning. Hits your desks. One is 
for HR, really, right? It's not it's not shared with the organization. It's kind of, you know, do, are we supplying you with the tools that you need to succeed? Is there anything we need to be doing better? How are, you know, job satisfaction types of things? <clears throat> and when I met with Dave, a lot of it is based on, you know, if someone's not answering, it's, a, it's you know, the annual reviews. People, people have corporate annual reviews, but sometimes it's, it, it's too far a distance in time where you're getting these notifications, you're getting these understandings about the, the team weekly, right? So that's part of it. And then the fun part is, um, and uh, uh, you know, the, they're both fun, but one is more fun than others, I guess. The fun question is, is a group discussion question. So yeah. it's, it's, they're quirky. Some of them are really fun. Some of them are personal, but not too personal. And it gets dialogue going within the organization and it, and it's on like a social type platform. But what I think is really cool with this is the props. So what happens is <clears throat> it also cues you up to say, give someone a prop, prop them up, right? So it, so you go down, you drop down, I'm gonna, pro <clears throat> I'm gonna prop Joe. Hey Joe, great job on the show last night, right? Um, hey Ben, you know, you're doing, a, you're doing a wonderful job on the, on the veteran's voice and timing it all out, right? So it, it's propping them and boom, it feeds right into their computer at any point in time throughout the week. So this isn't like you're only getting these on Tuesday. These are coming and people are now, they start to think about it. How do I make somebody else feel better? Right. You know, how do I make someone who made maybe struggling in a, in, in a uh, project, you know, give them a, give them a quick prop, make them feel really good. And it's, it's amazing. The results are amazing. You know, I'm, I'm really hoping funny. some of my team is listening and can, uh, can jump in and comment on that. So, so this, this feeds perfectly into everything that we talk about here on the Dr. Joe show, which is the I am approach. The whole idea is that we have an opportunity at every moment in time to remind someone of their value. And that small change reminding someone yes. of their value can have a big effect, which leads to the second sort of principle of the I am, you control no one, you influence everyone. Right. So these things are great. So, so for the listeners out there, if you have a business, this is something you Highly really, really want to know yeah. about because you can maximize the potential of your workforce, build loyalty, I expect, by just reminding them they're really valuable. Well, everything you're talking about is is intrinsic motivation, right? Yeah. So there's extrinsic. I mean, I'm talking to the master on this. You're going to have to educate me on this. I just know a couple words like intrinsic and extrinsic. You're doing, <laughs> you are doing great, so Dave. You, you've got just the give props extrinsic yeah, motivators, yeah. which is like money, right? Yeah. That's the most That's obvious right. extrinsic motivator or more vacation days. But there's intrinsic motivators, and I think it's been shown that it's the intrinsic motivators that truly drive somebody. Yes. And that's why millennials in general, and everybody for that matter, but millennials are very much so driven by purpose. So they come mm. into a business, they want to know what they're doing for the world. Whereas, um, gosh, Gen Xers, Mac, yep. you and me, man, we just went to work because... Uh, well, there, there are lots of reasons. Oftentimes, it wasn't to change the world, right? We wanted more pizza. We right. wanted to buy more CDs. Right. I remember figuring out, doing the math <laughs> on my salary to figure out how many CDs could I buy. Do you still have them? 
The math, the math <laughs> equations, the, 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 the CDs. CDs. <laughs> I, I think we donated them to the Marshfield Library. Actually, Probably good. Yeah. great investment. I think there was about six hundred yeah. CDs that we donated to the library. Nice. So, so that's that's the thing that we're really focused on is the intrinsic motivators, and that comes from not only the the um, the the purpose, but there's the values associated with the business, which become really, really important. Everybody's starting to embrace values for real now, too. Mm-hmm. It's not just a plaque on the wall, which is cool. And then there's, uh, and then there's the motivation that comes from just patting somebody on the back. I mean, these are not deep review type drivers. This is just, hey, Mark, good well, job, man. You know, you know, great job. You know what I've noticed, right? So it's the oxytocin, too, right? Right. So you feel good sending it. Right, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the the Simon Sinek story, right? So you feel good sending the message. That person feels good. Is that receive- serotonin or what it's, it's oxytocin? Oxytocin. Yeah. What's serotonin? Serotonin is another neurotransmitter involved in depression and anxiety. But well, we're not talking about that right now. Are no, we? Okay. oxytocin is the one. <laughs> no, that, we're not. When somebody says <laughs> you're thank amazing, you for, and you feel that rush. Oxytocin. That's oxytocin. So, so not thank you for taking me off my no. my right. thought. No, so no, anyway, so, so it's are. the oxy. So you send the message. So so I send a message propping one of the teammates. Yep. I feel mm-hmm. good about it. Yep. I've, I've given, right? Yep. That person feels good receiving. Yes. But the way the platform is set up, everybody sees it. So other people oh, actually lovely. get the benefit of the oxytocin lovely. rush by saying, oh my God, that was awesome. I'm so glad Bill propped Janice on that. It makes so much sense. It's It was a brilliant move. And they get the rush too. So there's modeling as well. As you're modeling for other people. Yes. The way you want to be treated. What's that? Do unto others. You know, it's, it's so the simple. The golden rule. It, it, it really is. But, but now how do you translate this into not just this emotional, spiritual value that you have? How do you translate it into that external thing, that money, the business? How do you grow these things? Well, now, are you talking about his company or the companies that are actually using... Well, the, uh, because I believe what okay. it, what what it, it's doing for us as a company is again it's this it's this culture right. You're making it so that people aren't coming to work to complete a task. Mm-hmm. They're actually coming to work because they enjoy it yeah. and they like to be there and they like to participate in that organization and make it thrive. So, Yvonne Chouinard, right? Yes. Patagonia. So Patagonia was this, and what we're talking about is culture, right? Yep, that's that's, that's right. what we're talking about here. And um, I think culture oftentimes gets this um, uh, reputation of being this soft, fluffy thing. Or just outside the box, weird Google with their seats and their, yeah it, it, and their... and they do it because they have a lot of extra money to spend right. but when it's tight you're not going to spend it on culture but the the thing is culture starts potentially with some soft stuff but then it drives people to great heights mm-hmm. and that's where the money part comes in the company that bought the private equity firm that bought my company the first thing they said about my company was around the culture one of the reasons, because there's lots of software companies out there, lots of them. There were 600 learning management systems, and they bought mine. Wow. They bought mine because of the culture of mm-hmm. the company, among other reasons, of course, but the culture was a big part of it. So at the end of the day, that did me well, building a really good culture. Um, so, so the way you turn something like this into dollars, the way you turn it into hard 
bottom line, top line kind of, of, of money is by asking, in this particular case, it's asking the right questions that expose opportunities. So what we're looking for is opportunities, and the opportunities arise in the form of revenue opportunities, new revenue, existing revenue, opportunities to improve efficiencies and processes. We have all kinds of questions that are are rather stimulating around how to improve process in a company. It sounds ridiculous, but like, here's a question. What's something that you do that you think is a waste of time? That's about process, but it gives people a chance to say, "Oh, I hate the TPD reports." <laughs> Isn't that wasn't that from the office yeah. or something? No, or from, office uh, space. Yes. So, so, and I don't even think it was TPD, was it? It was close, though. Yeah. So, but but that's the, and then of course there's the team building, and when people really like working with people. But we're going to get back to Yvonne Gennard, right? I so, hope so. Yvonne Gennard was the founder of Patagonia. Sixties, he started this thing up, and they got to a point, skipping a many many years, they got to a point where they were growing. And he says, "I knew we were growing," and I, I'm going to see if I can get this quote exactly right. I knew we had to grow. But I wanted to be. Uh, I, I wanted everybody to really enjoy work. I wanted people coming to the work on the balls of their feet, climbing the stairs two at a time. Mm. And I like that quote so much. I I bought the the website two at a time dot com, and then I realized how dirty it sounds. <laughs> Great. And we were just talking about this. We were talking about the passion that that Dave was really showing us about work. How we can create that in the workspace. And how we can really do what, what, like I was saying, what I love to teach my kids, love going to work and love going home. Mm-hmm. So that, that is a remarkable culture to, to build. I mean, there's nothing wrong with culture. Culture really does drive us. It is the social domain that we can either embrace or not. Um, so tell me more about, about this because this came about you, you, you'd gotten fired. You, I mean, you'd cut your finger. Where I just want to go back to that first episode. Let's go back part, to 1970. Right? Really, because we? because there you are. You, you you've you've gone to a psych hospital with a bleeding finger, and they say you're in the wrong hospital. They didn't give you the finger. You had the finger. So what? How did this lead to where you are now? So it's it started. Um, so that was I was fired from the job. So it started a few years before that. I was working for this big multi-billion-dollar software company, SAP. Yep. Um, German company. I was in Waltham commuting. Gosh, I don't even know how long, but it was a long commute, a long commute. To, to Waltham. And um, I remember my last day. My boss's name was Mark, actually. Yeah. And Easy. and he. And this was back nineteen. 19- 96. I was an intern in between the two years of business school. Mm. And he put his arm around me, which in 1996 you could do. And he put his arm around me and he says, Dave, and he walked me out and he walked me to the door. And I can still picture these glass doors. And we stopped in between the two sets of glass doors. And he says, when you're walking through the halls, I encourage you to walk faster and smile less because perception is reality. Hmm. I thought that's... I'm important. That's amazing. Like, because... Wow. I can act on that immediately. Very action. I can stop smiling and I can walk faster. I mean, I could do both of those things. And I knew if I did that, I was going to do a lot better. So I sincerely, Joe, I sincerely thought this was great advice. Hmm. It was about three years later, I started a business on the antithesis of that advice. And it blossomed and I loved it. And every day I went to my basement for the first three years before I got an office outside of my house. Every day I went to my basement 
I'd walk to the general store, to the post office. That'd be my break every now and then. Mm-hmm. I'd see George Bosak or I see you mm-hmm. walking up and down the street. And, and, um, and I loved it. I wasn't making much money mm-hmm. and I was getting into debt, but I loved going into my office every day. Mm. Loved it. That's great. And it turned into a real job eventually. Right. Did you wonder if, if he was right, though, that you should be... Did you ever doubt that the, the new culture, the evolution of business relations was, was, was right? No. And that in, in he, fact, he might have been right? Like, uh, no. I need to show uh, my authority over my people. At the time, think about it like someone's brainwashed, right? So yep. all these years, I've been trained to think that corporate's the way to go. I didn't even really know what entrepreneurship was. In fact, they still joke entrepreneurship is just another word for unemployed, right? <laughs> so that that's the that's the joke. That's the that's the uh, reputation that entrepreneurs have. Entrepreneurs what you do in between jobs. So I never thought about entrepreneurship and starting a business as something that you could do for a living. And so I just had in my mind that corporate culture is, I mean, the, the getting a job at a big company is where it is, and you kind of work your way up the ladder. And so at the time when he told me that, I sincerely thought, yeah, it's, those are really easy things to do, and I think that can improve the way I perform at work. I did not even think for a heartbeat about how much I actually liked work. And so I went on for two more years after that. And I had a job that I just really had distaste for, and I got fired. And then, Mark, to answer your question, I built this business, eventually started hiring employees. And when I had enough employees to uh, where, where they started commenting on my quirky personality and my stupid jokes, my relentless stupid jokes <laughs> that are sometimes a little bit inappropriate, Sounds Joe. Sounds great. Sounds great. I mean, I'm refrain. I'm holding back yeah, as much as I can. I wanted I so to comment on. It. I wanted to comment on playing Scrabble with your wife. Yeah. And because I, I like playing Scrabble too. Right. Not with my wife. I hope. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, I can see so, where these jokes are going. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. No. So th- right. th- my point is, I've got this these things that I say and I do and I behave but when it's your company you can do that and if the customer doesn't like it you're not going to get it and if the employee doesn't like it they're not going to stay long but what happens Joe this is the amazing part this is the part that just blows my mind and makes me feel so good is when you can truly act and behave the way you the way what's designed to come out of you when you're Mm -hmm. really starting to behave like yourself that's when the magic happens. That's mm-hmm. when you feel great, and that's when you perform to your peak. And that's one reason we're trying to put prop fuel into all these companies because prop fuel is a way for people to 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 have a voice and to right. give themselves some some action. But it also ends with more revenue. Yeah, dang so, it. So that's great. So this mm. this this fits exactly with what the I am approach is about. So the I am approach is saying that people are always doing the best they can with the potential to change in the very next second to another best they can. But when you when you look at someone that way and you treat them with respect, which leads to value, that leads to trust. And trust is oxytocin. And that's the part of what we do. So I I mean I work on in, in psychiatry. So outpatient clinics, inpatient hospitals, I'm the, the interim chief of an entire psychiatric hospital, you know, High Point Hospital in Middleborough. And that's the culture that I want. I want people to realize that they are doing this amazing job, that it's this incredible opportunity and privilege to work with someone in their time of need. And when they leave at the end of the day, the folks working for me, 
I want them to leave going, I helped someone today. But then I don't want them to think about work at all. I don't want them to think about it at all again until they come back the next day. Unless they love it, though. But but you know what? This work is really hard, right? The work that, that my folks do, the work that your folks do. I think it's okay for people to say, this is where I love to do my work, but now I love being home, and that's where I'm going to be now. And you, it, it doesn't mean that you don't have loyalty. It doesn't mean that you are less effective. I think it actually makes you more effective because you can come back to work the next day and say, okay, I am refreshed. I'm ready to go. Let's right. do this. See, I'm fascinated by that because I, um, I have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm in a totally different field, too. Yep. I'm not in a field that requires so much emotional investment. Right, so I, I can imagine in a world where there's emotional investment, whether my wife worked with uh, special ed for a period of time, um, the, 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 you, you're really putting everything into yourself. But f- for the businesses that I've had, for the younger employees I've coached along the way, my goal is to get them to the point where they can't stop thinking about the stuff they're doing during the day. I want them to go home and actually read a journal. I'm not telling them to do this, but to me that's success. If I get people that go home and they're sitting at the dinner table with their boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, little baby or whatever, and they're starting to talk about work and tell their husband about work, or maybe in the morning they wake up and they read a blog about work while they're drinking their coffee, to me... That means you've found a passion. Right. And that's because that's what they enjoy to do. Right. And, and, I, and I, I don't want to force that no, on no. people. And I, I, I embrace that. I certainly want my folks to go home and read more and learn more so they can come back the next day with even more skills. But I don't want them to get, I, I hate to say it, you, you know, you could get emotionally invested in patients, but that's not what a patient needs. The patient doesn't need you to be emotionally invested in them. The patient needs, from my point of view, for them to remember how valuable they are and that they don't need me to feel valuable so that, so that when they leave the hospital, they have what we call internalized the recognition that they're okay. And my, my clinical staff as well, they have to be able to do that because there are going to be times where they don't feel they've done a good job. And every time that happens, every time they feel that they have less value because they're not doing a good job with the patient, I remind them, that's the patient's experience. You're doing a great job. You have a key. You have a a, a swipe badge. You have a way to get in and out of the hospital. When I was a medical student, one of the things that I did was I I did a rotation at Mass Mental, which was at the time, you know, really a Harvard teaching facility, but it was a rough place to be. You know, and I worked on an inpatient adult adult psychiatric ward where there were psychotic patients, there were schizophrenic patients. And if you wanted to, you know, if a patient wanted to go to the bathroom, they needed to ask so that they could go into the bathroom. If they wanted to, you know, talk to a nurse, they needed to ask. They were stuck on this locked inpatient unit. Now, I was a medical student, and medical students did not have keys. We weren't given keys to get on and off the unit. I had to knock on the door. I had to have somebody let me out. And I never forgot that experience. To imagine what it must be like to be compromised and know that you cannot leave. And so when I do this teaching to my staff, 
I say, remember, you know, you're okay. You have a key to get on and off the unit. But more importantly, you are the key. You are the key to how these patients come on and off our unit. Because what you do is going to remind them of their value. And when they begin to feel more valuable, they're not going to need to be with us because they feel more competent. And I think in many ways that's part of what you're doing with your folks. They don't have to be psychiatric patients. You don't have to be a psych patient in order to be reminded of value. And that's what this, you know, the the props are all about. Doesn't this um, change corporate structure in, in some way or, or, or the corporate mentality? I think it's an absolute game changer. Isn't it? I, I truly believe that. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a I'm a client. And you hope for another 25% off. And maybe right. even a, like a sliver ownership or something. But right. no, I believe this is a game changer. I think, you know, just watching the evolution of business, you know, you can watch that show Mad Men, right? Mm-hmm, right. There's a certain corporate culture right. that's going on there, Absolutely. right? You've got the 80s. You can watch Wall Street or any of those movies and see how business was conducted in the 80s. Then you talk to Dave about the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. walk faster and perception is reality, you know, let let the people below you think that you're in charge so that they'll get in line and, and do their job. This completely blows all of those models to pieces. And it takes tears down the walls, and it really is truly a team that that will succeed. Well, right? I, I think you guys you guys are flattering. It's it, to say I think there's a lot of trends. It's certainly in entrepreneurship, and I think big business are following a lot of trends, like transparency yeah. and uh, flatter organizations, and and um, getting rid of that gestalt kind the of silos, leadership. Yeah, uh, yeah, the silos are going away. Yeah. So so yeah, there's a lot of trends that are changing, especially. And I mentioned millennials before, but to appeal to a different workforce that we're trying to motivate and lead. And um, so I'm flattered that you say prop fuel is changing the world. Actually, prop fuel is riding the wave. The wave is coming in, and 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 we did this in my last company with the LMS Learning Management System in 2000. We rode this wave of online learning. Every all this learning was going into the internet, and that's that's what we caught. We caught that wave. Now we're catching a different wave. The wave we're catching now is about changing corporate culture and and giving people a voice. And what we're doing, what we are doing that's unique is we're bringing the customer into the conversation with the employees, number one, Mm -hmm. and we're actually putting some dollars behind it because right now the resistance we hear is, yeah, culture is nice. We'll think about that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But dollars we're thinking about today. So that's what, our what strategy. size company should be thinking about culture? So it's, oh geez, I mean, what, cultures. I've heard the argument culture starts right off the bat. We've already defined in in our company our values, and we've got uh, three people in the company right now. But um, um, I think culture really begins around ten employees. Yeah. That, that's just my personal perspective, and then all the way up. Our company, the way we're focused, we're focused on ten to 250 employees. That's kind of the range. Sure, we go above that, and we actually have some customers with fewer than 10 employees, but th- the, what's unique about our platform versus other um, more quantitative platforms is we have this anecdotal feedback. We have this feedback that's designed to start conversations, which, Joe, is another thing we hear is that we don't want a, a system or a technology to manage our relationships. This isn't 
taking over a relationship. What this does is it starts conversations. Mm-hmm. This starts conversations with your employees and it starts conversations with your with your customers. You're picking up the phone and you're going to visit people based on what what prop fuel has started. So that that's that's um <laughs> What was your question? But that's so. <laughs> I'm not sure I was. I think you yeah. interrupted how me. Big a company, you up. How big a oh, okay. company do you need to, to do this? So I, I, I'm fascinated by that idea that culture doesn't start until you have a certain critical mass of people. Well, it, it, it's my perspective that uh-huh. culture becomes something that is uh, something. It's easier to act on. It's it's easier to reveal. It shows its face a little bit more when you have more people. More mm-hmm. people being about ten. But of course, if you have uh, uh, three, four, or five, having core values mm-hmm. and having this this environment, this way of making decisions. I mean, how you make decisions when the boss isn't there. That's how I define culture. Mm. And so, yeah, with two or three people, it, it's there, but it's more of a natural thing. It's not something you're necessarily driving home every day. With 10 people, it's something that the leaders in the company actually need to purposefully drive. A culture is not something that just happens, which I think is oftentimes a mistake. Right. Culture is something that's driven. <coughs> There's a direction that culture is, is coming from. And culture starts with purpose. And vision and values. What if the leader doesn't see the value in culture? What if there are employees that, you know, they go to work and they want culture, they want to initiate change? Can can an employee lead the culture? That's a great question. I mean, in in um, in a company where the leadership is is doesn't really buy into it, I think sure, uh, employees can do a certain amount, but it, they can only do so much, right? right? I mean, at some point, the leadership needs to support it. In fact, I would even argue right from the beginning, the leadership needs to start with purpose, vision, mission, and values. And I don't use those words loosely. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very adamant about those three things of vision, mission, and values are what start culture. So what are the differences? I mean, we, the 90s, they, everyone had their mission statement and they would paste it on and everyone would tap it when they walked by, but they never paid any credence to it. So... When you say those three words, what what differentiates the words from one another? So, so vision for me is is um, and and there's different levels of vision. There's the B hag, the the big hairy audacious goal. Yeah. Have you heard that? Okay, yeah. so there's the B hag, um, which is like just south of impossible. You know what what can you do? How what can you make of these things that's just south of impossible? Okay, but vision is just uh, it's just south of that so vision is something and i think if you use the smart technique do you know what the smart stands for no. uh something ad, uh, measurable um uh, but basically it's it's usually it's something you can measure somebody on facebook is going to tell me what smart <laughs> smart um, one of our uh, three, metrics are three thousand viewers. More. So that's um that's that's vision. <coughs> Mission is more like a purpose. Right, your why, Simon Sinek. Yeah. Simon Sinek talks about why you get up in the yeah. morning, and a business has a purpose. To me, that's what a mission is. This is our purpose. This is why we get up. And then values—that's the skeleton. That's the core of what how you make your decisions. So, with those three things put together, you've got the foundation of a great culture. So, I mean, of course, a culture is not the pool table, the snacks. It's not the bean keg. It's not the beanbag chairs. Not the painted beautiful walls. Those are fun in some cultures. In some places, you have other things. But uh, um, it really, really does start with the vision, the purpose, and values. Vision, mission, values—same thing. 
So, so we have a, a couple of minutes left. How, how do people get in touch with you, Dave? How do, how do people... So um, email is dave at propfuel.com or www.propfuel.com. Great. Or you can find his Facebook page, Prop Fuel. Prop Fuel. Or you Facebook. can go to his <laughs> website, propfuel.com, and there's some really cool tutorials. You can actually, <clears throat> on his website, he's got a few of his blogs. Um, yes, his blogs, but also his... Uh, Podcast. His podcasts, yeah, and some video podcasts. He's on. He's on a couple of cool ones too. With so, yeah, and the resources. There is one cool document that we've had out there for a long time, but it's a hundred and one tips how to make a great culture. Oh. and it they range anywhere from you know define your vision to go in corporate executive retreats to go to company retreats and how to run them. So there's some there's a hundred and one tips on on making a great <clears throat> company culture. That's a fun one. I'm telling you, I, I think you're right. I think that my company. You know, I think point, so. High Point could take a look at this. I think every company should take a look at this, and yeah. I'm not just saying that because our guest is sitting here. I am saying right. that because it is a really cool product. Thank you, guys. Maybe I, even ATD. I really, <laughs> I really so, appreciate the opportunity to come out here. This is really fun for me to talk about. It's great. Well, we'll, we'll have you back again, folks. Listen on Sunday. Thanks to our Facebook folks and everybody, and we will see you all next week on the Doctor Joe Show. Thanks, Mark. You got it, Joe.